0: now today before we start i just want to share with with something with you about our identity because i believe with everything that's happened this year our identities have really come under fire not only by what the world is telling us we are or what we should be or what the government thinks about us or doesn't think about us or friends and family think about us our identity comes has come under attack and it's kind of useless to defend it if you've ever been on social media you know this you cannot argue with anybody you cannot defend yourself you feel helpless and, and there, there are a lot of people that i know that have come to me and struggled with this they feel like they don't know who they are anymore they, they don't understand they don't they don't feel loved anymore they just don't feel a part of anything anymore our identity through all of the crazy stuff that's happened this year is being crushed and suffocated. And the enemy loves this. The enemy loves to see us in that posture. So today I just want to read a verse. I've said this before in a previous sermon. It's from Proverbs 18:21. It says, "The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences." so whatever you talk whatever you say is what you will reap and that that goes a long way because what you speak to other people is either going to encourage them or it's going to destroy them and how you do that matters one of the things that we always talk about when we read a verse like this is we look at what others are saying about us and what other people are trying to tell us to do. Today, I wanna ask you, what are you saying to yourself? What do you, what is your self-talk like? And and I'll start. For me, you know, what do I say about myself? You know, I, I think I do some things well, but I think a lot of times I get very distracted I think I fail more than I succeed in a lot of things, and I'm, not, I'm being honest with myself on this. And I, I think I could do a much better job in the things that, I, that are um, given to me to do. I don't think I'm a perfect father or husband. I've made too many mistakes there. I don't feel worthy to be called a child of God a lot of the times. I will get angry at myself. I will call myself a dummy or an idiot sometimes when I make something, when I do something really stupid. And while that might sound like, kind of like, well, you know, we kind of all, that was a stupid thing to do. But I want to tell you right now that how you talk about yourself really matters. Because if somebody else were saying those things to you, you'd take offense to it probably. So you're offending yourself, and not only are you offending yourself, but you are also offending the child of God that you are. So when we talk about the tongue can bring death or life, it could mess with you if you are not careful. Let me ask you guys this, and if if you want to answer, you can or you don't have to, but do you pick on yourself? Do you scrutinize things? Do you do you say things to yourself, and you just, you know, more now than, than ever. Yeah, I mean, we go in phases that way. And if something happens, or maybe, maybe you lost a job and you take it personally, you just feel so discouraged, and you feel like, you know, what a fool I am. I can't, I can't even provide for my family. I, all this stuff. What are you saying to yourself? It's Sometimes it's easier to hold your tongue around others, but I think we let our tongues fly when it comes to ourselves. And that starts chipping away at our identity. It starts chipping away at who we are. And I'm telling you, God doesn't like to hear you talk about yourself like that. You can be honest with yourself, but you also have to watch what you're saying. We usually focus on what others think of us, right? But I'm telling you, if you really thought about it, and if you journaled this, I don't journal because I can't read my own handwriting, but if you journaled, you would write down, and you wrote down all the negative things you say about yourself, I bet you'd be very surprised by the end of the month what's going on. We're not here to win the approval of ourselves or others. The Bible says this in Galatians 1, verse 10. It says, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. See, the one we should be pleasing, the one that we should be getting approval from, is God alone. Not even us, not even others. And I know for a lot of people, get, getting the approval of others is, will make or break your day or your month, or your year. If you don't have the approval of other people, you're going to be having a miserable life. And I tell you what, you will never get the approval of everybody. There's family members that we don't have the approval of. I'm sure that's in everybody's family at some point. There's chasing after people-pleasing is just not a good strategy. I used to get caught up in that. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't like it when nobody likes me. Everybody say, oh, poor John. (laughs) I don't like it when people don't like me. I was like literally afraid of that when I was in high school. I, I remember the first time, I know this sounds really crazy, but sometimes, you know, somebody just didn't like me and I couldn't figure out why and it bothered me and it nagged and I couldn't understand it and it frustrated me. And it really, I mean, it really bothered me. I was probably 14 years old and, you know, just, why don't, not that I'm perfect, but what did I do is what I was thinking. But then over the years, you start seeing a lot of people that just don't and will never, will never approve of you, will never, as Pastor Waller says, ride your train, right? They just won't. They just won't get on board. That's, That's tough for some people. For me, it was really tough, and I've struggled with that. A lot in my life but let me ask a couple simple questions here together what do we think of ourselves you can answer that by yourselves think about that what what do you think of yourself and then what do others think of you maybe some faces are popping into your mind right now and you know what they think of you maybe some of its good maybe some really bad things now let me ask this most important question Who should we be listening to? Whose voice and opinion about us really matters the most? God's. But who are you actually listening to? See, we know the right answers, and that's the thing about people that have been in church for a while. We know what answers to give when somebody asks you a question. But what are we actually doing? People-pleasing is not the goal. God created you. He designed you and me. He knows every intricate part of our design, our hopes and dreams, and he knows all of those things. He created us. Who knows us better than the creator? Hey, you just take that truth and that one fact, you build something. Like when when Phil and his kids and his family build, um, they, they build a lot of stuff. They're like... Uh, modern day um, <coughs> I was going to say Thomas Edison, but I think he stole a lot of that stuff, but they, they just like to build stuff and and, and phil 's always there 's one video that I wish I would have thought about it. I could have put it up on the screen when you were lifting up like a house with a with a rope in your truck or something. I remember that last chicken house yeah just so they 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 create these things and and a lot of you create stuff you. You make stuff in your home, maybe, you, maybe you're a woodworker, and you build things, and you create it, and you put a lot of time and energy, and you like what you created most of the time. And if that thing had um, breath in it, it would know who the creator was, and if it had any questions about what it was doing, it could ask. It's like, uh, Phil, uh, why did you build me like this? You know, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the creator knows you. There is nobody that knows you better than your creator. So why is it that we struggle with what other people think when our creator who created us knows us the best? We are his precious creation. Yet we turn away from him and chase after lies, lies that others say about us. We worry about these things that other people say and we question our own self because somebody that we don't really know that well and doesn't know us hardly at all will tell them some, tell you something about yourself that you just feel so awful with. Now, I'm not saying everybody here is perfect. So if somebody says, you know what, you need to smile once in a while, then maybe you probably need to smile once in a while. It's okay. People can, people can delicately pour into you and encourage you to do the right thing. But then there are people who are just doing it to be mean. And I guarantee everybody in this room has run into somebody like that at least once. We turn away and chase after lies. Who knows us more? Who's the only one that knows us intimately? It's God the Father, the one who created us. There's no one who better understands us than him. If we want to know our true identity, if we really want to know who we are, after the world has told us all these things that we think we should be, we can listen to the words of God the Father himself. And he speaks to us through the word of God, which is the Bible. So go home and read the whole Bible from front to, to back. No, I'm just kidding. There's a lot to it. But we can, I'm going to talk to you today and give you some verses about your identity. First of all, you are very valuable to God. And right away, some people will say, yeah, I believe that. And some will say, yeah, but you don't know what I did this morning. You don't know what I did yesterday. And you just don't know. In Genesis, it reads, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. See, God just didn't put you on a lathe and make a human being out of you. He went one step further. He breathed his breath into us. That's, that's incredible to me. Just that imagery of him doing that one thing after he created us from the dust, from the dust. God created man in his own image. In Psalms, it says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. God knew before. God planned you. He planned to make you. He didn't just start off with a lump of, Dust clay and start shaping it, and eventually, okay, this looks good. He had a plan all along for every piece and every intricate part of you, not only physically but spiritually. God planned you. Jesus said, This fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than my sparrows. Jesus was talking to his disciples and gave them the analogy of the sparrows and the fields and all these other things, these beautiful things that God has on this earth. And he said, you are more valuable to God, my father, than anything else on this planet, you. And that's you, everybody in here. He's talking to you. In Genesis, he said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. I like how they threw that, threw that in there because there are some creepy looking things that crawl on the earth. But he said, notice he said he let them have dominion. He gave us charge of everything that's on this earth. He said, I'm not only am I going to create you on this earth, but you are going to be in charge. A lot of people like to be in charge. Oh yeah, great power. We are valuable to our God. And isn't it great to hear those things from God? Isn't it great to read those things in Scripture? And there are a ton more. And we could spend days reading all the things and how how much God thinks about us. And those are great things to hear. Isn't that refreshing in a time where everything is so divisive right now? It's refreshing to hear that it's not a stranger that thinks of these things of us, but it's the one who created us. To me, that just blows me away, and, and it makes me look at other criticisms if they are not warranted. It makes me look at those with, you don't know me. You, do not, you didn't create me. You have nothing to do with me. Who knows us better than the one who created us? But God also tells the truth about our identity. And sometimes the truth can hurt. Very soon after God created us, I know I keep fiddling with my mask. Sorry, it's probably driving you nuts. Very soon after God created us, we turned our backs on him and started following our own desires. In Genesis it says, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, there was so much in the Garden of Eden or on the planet. And God says, you can have every single thing you can look at, every single thing, but just not this one tree. And isn't, just, isn't it just like us to say, I got to have that tree? There, there's something. If he doesn't want us to have it, then it must be, you know, so Awesome. And it was, and everybody blames Adam and Eve for this, but it would have been any human being. We are, we would be susceptible to that type of um, temptation, and they were, and they, and they blew it, and they blew it. All those things that God said, He created us, and He, He, He wanted relationship with us, and when He was in the garden, He physically walked with people. Couldn't imagine that. He, he walked with Adam and Eve. He talked to them. And that all stopped because they wanted more, they wanted more, they wanted the one thing that they couldn 't have. they got it, but it caused death is what it ha- was what happened. We committed sin in the garden, and it 's with us to this day. This is part of our identity. You can say well what let 's just talk about the good stuff i don 't want to know." the bad stuff about our identity, but there is some bad stuff there. We have to address it. But it actually gets even better for us after this event happened. When we disobeyed God in the garden and every day since, the Bible says that no man is without sin. Everybody has sinned. When we disobey God and do our own thing, we essentially separate ourselves from him. God's perfect; He cannot be around imperfection. He can't. Sin is literally separation from God. We could no longer be with Him. We could no longer sit with Him in the garden and just admire His creation and thank Him for all He's done. We didn't. We couldn't because we wanted more. We wanted the one thing that He said you cannot have. We worship what was created and abandoned the one who created it. It's basically what we did. And isn't that the truth today? We are never satisfied, always seeking and yearning for other things, right, to fill up our lives, other things that we think are going to make us happy, other things that, you know, we, we know we shouldn't do, but you know what? It's just too tempting, and it's okay for me for now, and I'll deal with the consequences later. And some of those things take us further and further away from the God that created us. Now, God doesn't go anywhere. We move. We either move towards him or we move away. And we suffer a penalty because of this. And the penalty for that separation or sin, the penalty is death. That's it. We're here, we're gone, nothing. Nothing. And this is also part of our identity. It's important to be honest with ourselves. It's important to understand that our identity is flawed a bit because of what happened, because of sin, sin that we carry. Can't be blaming Adam and Eve. We would have messed up too, I guarantee it. We're carrying the sin. Isn't this heavy? Sorry. But it's true. If you want to understand who you are, you've got to look at all the parts. Don't just focus on oh God loves me every day and and He does, but there's there's things we gotta address here if we want to be even closer with the relationship that God intended for us to have. Is that my grandson? Okay. But in this moment, that moment that down moment that we just had about, you know, we're we're separated is truly where we start to see the love of our Creator. Despite turning our backs on Him, He makes a way for us to come back to Him. And it comes at a significant cost to God the Father. His Son was sent from heaven to us and for us to pay the penalty for us. This is a familiar verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. To me, this is all we need to know about just how much God loves us. We, we messed up. We turned away from him. He did not go anywhere. We walked the other way. He wants you back because you're his and he loves you. We will never know a greater love than this. The Book of Romans says this But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Just think about that for a moment while while you were still a sinner, while I'm still a sinner. What is sin? There's a lot that goes into sin. There's plenty that we can read about and we will teach about. Sin is separation from God while we were still separated from God, while we were still chasing the things that we thought were going satisfy, to satisfy us, when we were still doing that, he saw it and he, he took care of it with his son while we were still in the midst of it. While we were at our worst, God gave us his best and he gave us a way back to him. He didn't wait until we started shaping up said, you know, if, I'll pick on Roy because I always do. You know, Roy, when you start getting a little bit better, then maybe I'll consider sending my son for you. But until you fix yourself, I'm not going to deal, that's not how God works, thank the Lord. He said, even while you were still sinners, which implies that you are in the middle of sinning, which means you are in defiance of God, he took care of you. And there's no sin that he will not rescue you from. He didn't wait until we started shaping up because we never would on our own. You know, this world's too tempting. You could live a, a, a great life here on earth and totally miss out on your inheritance of eternal life from God because you never, you never sought to seek him. And this world, I mean, let's face it sin is fun. Maybe not a lot of pastors will tell their congregation that, but it is truth. If sin was not fun, nobody would sin. There are things that we get drawn to in this world that are sinful, and it's designed that way so we get pulled away from God by an enemy who wants to destroy you. He didn't wait until we started shaping up. Because he never, he knows we never would. And in the midst of our rebellion to him, he still loves us enough, even as we turned our backs on him, he loved us enough to sacrifice for us so we can be reunited with him. His own son, Jesus, described the heart of his father to his disciples with this parable or semi fictional story, is what they call it just a story to make a point. That's what a parable is. Jesus said, and he rose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and fell, felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. Well, what's going on here? This was a son who left his dad because the world brought him and said, listen, take your inheritance now and go to Las Vegas. Which, which didn't exist then, but I'm just using it as an analogy. Go to Las Vegas and just spend it and have fun. You can have a lot of fun with the amount of money your dad set aside for you. Take it and go spend it now while you're still young and you can still get around. Go enjoy it and go. Just, just leave. Leave your father. It's all right that he doesn't have the help he needs anymore to run this farm that he has. Just go. So this is what this person did. and In the end, this, this boy that went out west to uh, Los Angeles, not really, but he came back. He, he got himself into a lot of trouble. He got to the point where in the Bible he says he was eating pig slop because that's the best he could do. He lost everything and, and, and he had no place to go and he, couldn't, he didn't want to go back to the father and tell him, Dad, this is what I did with everything you gave me. It's gone. Not only is it gone, but I have really messed up. I had, take, had to take jobs I didn't want to take. I had to eat stuff I never thought I would eat. And um, he didn't want to go back. But eventually he did, and he didn't know what what he was gonna come back to until he saw his father run towards him. Not angrily, (laughs) he saw his father run to him with a smile and his arms open wide. Jesus is saying, this is is my dad. This is your creator. You, You can't outrun him, he will meet you. It doesn't matter what you've done that goes for every single person here and every single person on this planet. But you don't know what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, and before you. This is the boy talking to his dad when he finally met him in an embrace. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and his shoes and his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. That part about clothing him in beautiful garments and adorning him with jewelry, notice he didn't ask him to wash up first. The son didn't have to go clean up because I'm going to put a nice robe on you and I don't want it to get, I know what you've been rolling in. You know, I don't want to put this nice robe on you and then I'm going to have to take it to a dry cleaner, which hasn't, won't exist for 2,000 years. I, I, I don't want, I don't want to do that. So you get cleaned up first and I'm going to throw this robe and then I'll give you this ring and you're going to be, look, prim and proper and on we go. Now, he threw that thing on him. the Best robe. He told his servant to get the best robe. So they all knew what the best robe was. They didn't have to think about it. I know the one. God does that for us. When we come back to him, he knows we messed up. He knows we're dirty. He knows we need to be cleaned up. But he wants to tell you right now, no matter where you are, he's got that robe for you. He's going to throw it over you. It doesn't matter. Come back to him. And finally, he says, "For, For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to celebrate. The whole point of Jesus Christ was to help us get pointed back to the Father and make a way for it. Because otherwise, the atonement was constant sacrifices. You read read through the Old Testament, you'll know what I'm talking about. Jesus sent his son to be the one sacrifice for all. And when we follow him and we say, yeah, I I don't really know Jesus that well, but this sounds like, you know, I I understand it. Well then good, keep asking questions. Talk to me after. This is how a loving father is supposed to be. What a loving and caring God and father we have. When we start to realize our full and true identity, doesn't it start to knock down the power of what others think about us and what we think about ourselves? Because who are we, who are we serving? Nobody's going to throw that robe on you. You're not going to be able to throw it on yourself. The only one that's going to accept you is God the Father. The one who loves us the most, who created us, his words matter. His love matters. Sometimes I need to just stand or sit wherever I'm at and just focus on that one thing. Everything else around me, all the people I've either let down or have issues with me or I have issues with them, all that stuff needs to fade away. And I know that I know that God created me and I am for him and he is for me. And you ground yourself in that one fact and then you can start picking up the other pieces. You have to know our true identity to do that. Everything else is just noise. You need to hear this today. Some of you need to hear this today. And you need to understand who you really are. And we talked about who we are in God. You need to teach this to your children early. They need to really know who they are they need to understand first and foremost that the creator of heaven and earth the creator of the universe designed them all these kids here all these little kids that are you know just seem to be coming from everywhere in this church which is awesome god has something for you. he created them with purpose he did not clone them from anybody else well i'll just make another one of these no Everyone is uniquely designed just that's just for me that's just crazy to think you know I work in a, I work in a job where the, the best way we can do things is by just repeating the same thing over and over again once we get a good one we just keep repeating it and things work and are, are consistent God's, God doesn't do that everybody here is unique You are not like somebody else. If you're a twin, yeah, you might look the same, but the inner workings of you, totally different. God has a plan and a purpose. And if we don't understand that, we don't teach our kids who they truly are, their real identity, the world is gonna swallow them up and they are gonna make them what they want them to be. The world can be enticing. It could seem to be your best friend at some times, but the truth is it will never last. It will fade, and it will abandon you every time. But we have this promise from God in Hebrews 13, if the musicians can come up. We have this promise from God. It says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I, if you invest money or you have savings, um, you're, you, know, you put some trust in that, that it'll be there when you need it, and that's fine. Um, but and eventually, people in this world will fail you. The promises of men will fail. But God says, I will never, I will never leave you or forsake you. You say, but God, I I don't see you. I don't feel you. He says, just turn around. You know that's what repentance means? It's when you turn around from where you're walking today and you turn and face the other way. And if you're walking in sin, if you're walking in something that's keeping you from God, turn around. You'll see him. I guarantee it. This is our identity. We're created by God. In his image, with his breath in our lungs, we were crowned by him. We turned our backs on him, seeking our own pleasures. We were ransomed by God, by God's one and only son. We are made new. We are forgiven. We are reconciled back to the Father. So now, let's live our lives and remind each other who we are and who we are not do it by living this, with the same love and forgiveness of the one who saved you i tell you if you want to see the world change we can put programs and legislations in place to force people to be nice it will never work it will never work the only way that we can do this is it has to start with you and you have to know who you are. Once you know who you are in God, you'll be able to do this, and people will benefit from that love that they'll see. Sounds so easy, right? But boy, the enemy likes to make it difficult, but we're not going to let him. We need to be who we were destined to be. Amen. We're going to worship with some of these songs that worship team picked out, and they just, like I said, it's just a great fit to remind us of who we are in Christ. So if you would stand. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for this church, God. I'm so thankful for a church that we have a pastor that treat, that preaches truth and is obedient and follows, follows your lead. Lord, I just pray as we just worship, God, that your presence would just enter this place and that we would just be able to encounter you here, God, in Jesus' name, amen.